Welcome to COPcast from Climate Home News. I'm Megan Darby, Deputy Editor of Climate Home News, and Carl Matheson is here with me. Hi, Carl. Hi, Megan. How are you going? Good. We're on day six here in Katowice at COP24. On today's episode, we talk to Valerie Masson-Delmotte, a leading climate scientist about the social science of climate action. Uh, Before we jump into today's news, I want to thank our supporter, the Stockholm Environment Institute. As reporters in the climate space, we're always looking for good data and analysis, and these folks deliver. Uh, For more from them, go to SEI.org. Uh, so Carl has been looking into common timeframes today, which sounds super technical, but stay with us because it's really important. Carl, what's been going on? Thanks, Megan. Yeah, it's it's an element of the Paris Agreement rulebook. So these are the rules that make the Paris Agreement work. That is really important, but much overlooked. And it's basically like when countries will report their plans to cut emissions and if they report them at different times then there's not so much pressure for them to all raise their ambition together and that's why this is this is key now there's a group of countries uh, including china and saudi arabia that are trying to push this element of the talks all the way back to 2041 and we've heard from the ipcc the un scientists this year that we've got like 12 years left to do something about climate change and it's got to be rapid and it's got to be immediate and it's got to be increasing ambition. So the idea of pushing it back 20 years is really ruffles some feathers. And you can read the full story on the Climate Home News website. Also in our newsletter today, find out who Brazil's new president, Jair Bolsonaro, is considering for environment minister. Spoiler, none of the candidates are good. What the Americans have been up to in Katowice and which pilgrims have trekked here from the Vatican. The Gilets Jaunes protest, or Yellow Jackets, started with an attempt to tax diesel that backfired badly, but have now spread into a wider protest movement. Valerie Masson-Delmotte talks to Carl about the warnings contained in the UN's recent blockbuster climate science report. So I'm, I'm giving my personal views about what's happening in France. It's not my expertise to analyse, uh, you know, uh, French policy or, or social movements. And... Uh, what's happening is has a long history uh, when people perceive there's an unfair level of tax on the poorest. We have a long history since medieval times of, of uh, riot movements. Um, I went to discuss with uh, people blocking streets near, near where I live, near my village in the southern suburb of Paris. It was interesting to understand how much they don't trust policymakers, how much they don't trust experts. It was also interesting to see how they are uh, concerned about environmental challenges and the fact that the movement was triggered by high oil prices, but not just that, the perception of unfair policies over the last maybe 30 years. So that's my personal view um, of the situation and uh, what is striking is um, the unability of the usual uh, democratic representations Um, um, elected people, um, trade unions, the usual um, instruments of a democracy uh, uh, to deal with the situation. There's a lack of dialogue and a lack of perception of representation of a fraction of the population which believes they are trapped when the price of oil goes up and they have no alternative. This is happening in the middle of 
climate talks in Poland that really kicked off with uh, a call for something called the just transition, particularly from the Polish presidency at these talks. What is the just transition? That's really something that has been framed in the 1.5 special report, and it's part of the most innovative aspects. And, you know, the report was asked at COP21 to focus on the impact of 1.5 and the corresponding greenhouse gas emission trajectories. But the IPCC panel, so delegates from governments, grounded that in um, strengthening the response to climate change, sustainable development, and efforts to eradicate poverty. And that shaped completely the way the report was designed. And the most innovative aspects are on two chapters, one on systems transitions, and the other one on sustainable development. The one on systems transition is really interesting in that it looks at dimensions of feasibility for systems transitions. And one dimension of, of feasibility is um, social-cultural. So it looks at you know, uh, what makes it possible for a society uh, to implement a transition. And what's key for that is the fact that people believe their voice is heard in thinking the transition and that they, have a perce they perceive fairness in the implementation of the transition. And so for me, what was striking was uh, having prepared this report and, and all the knowledge from social scientists on just fair ethical transitions that was there, um, that was there to inform how to guide uh, potential decision making. Um, I presented the report first in France to the Senate, to the uh, Committee on Sustainable Development of Senate, and they were surprised to have this strong uh, social science dimension to the report. Uh, it triggered interesting discussions, and they expressed how difficult it is for them, as members of the Senate, to think on how to implement transitions. They also th said they were powerless. And, oh, sorry, sorry. and how, how do you mean they were powerless? They didn't know how to change things, basically. It was striking for me. And then I was invited a few weeks later to Ireland, and in Ireland, I was um, invited to present the key findings of the report to a committee of the parliament, uh, thinking of designing a climate policy. And this committee had been uh, uh, following recommendations from a panel of citizens. So um, Ireland implemented um, a citizen assembly. It was designed uh, by, uh, you know, like you do a poll. You try to take 100 people randomly to represent the whole country population, the diversity of ages, genders, work profiles, revenues, regions where they live, etc. And, and, and that citizen assembly uh, worked uh, on a volunteer basis during weekends on a number of societal questions. Um, they were influential in a few recent decisions and their opinion reflected, I think, uh, within 1% the result of the referendum uh, that was conducted recently on other topics in Ireland. So they are taken very seriously, I think, by uh, policymakers. And when they discussed climate change, my understanding is that they took this as an opportunity to look at what could be improved for society. So as a scientist, you've kind of got this interesting, uh, you've got your control group in France where you've got uh, the group that didn't take the views of people into account and then you've got the uh, the Irish example. Are you looking at this as a, you know, a, a, a kind of a proof of the theory that was put forward in 1.5 report? 
You know, the, the, the report does not put forward any theory. It's assessing the state of knowledge based on peer-reviewed publications. And what's also interesting to observe is, for me, is how society reacts to the climate challenge, how things can be designed to implement a transition that is not just imposed to people, but uh, uh, belongs to a way to build a better world, basically. <laughs> and so it's, it's interesting to observe it's uh, more tragic to observe when I live and work in France and when I see that um, our country failed to have a sort of sustainable development approach that pays attention to the, the ones who are most vulnerable to policies. So I think our senators reflect society and maybe the older generation of society so that they have not yet fully understood the implications of climate change and how deep it goes into thinking differently the way we build a new future. Thank you very much for speaking to us. Thank you to Valerie for talking to us today. That's it for this COPcast. I've been Megan Darby. Thank you to Carl Matheson and our producer, Sola Aparizio. Don't forget to follow us on SoundCloud and iTunes. COPcast is also available on other good podcast apps. Climate Home News is on Twitter and Facebook, and you can subscribe to our newsletter by going to www.climatechangenews.com. See you tomorrow.